Welcome to the Restoration Church Podcast. To learn more about our church, give, share a prayer request, or access our weekly worship guide, visit us at www.restorationlex.com slash this week. Good to have all you here. Uh, my name is Justin. If you're new here, we're really, really glad you are here on this very special day. And I don't want to talk too long because here in a minute we're going to hear from my friend Robin um, about her story. And I'm very excited about that. But I wanted to take a brief moment and talk about what baptism means for us and why it matters and why we do this. As Hannah was saying, this is the first time we've been able to do this since before COVID. So it's so exciting. It is a celebration and we hope we get to really throw a party here for this exciting opportunity. So but baptism is one of the central acts of our faith. It is one of the central acts of our walk with Jesus. In Matthew 3, we see Jesus himself be obedient into baptism. He's baptized, comes out of the water, and God says from heaven, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased. It's this moment of affirmation and identity. When we're baptized, that's what's happening in us. God is declaring what he declared through Jesus to us in the same way. This is my son or my daughter who I love and whom I'm well pleased. Later on in Matthew 28, he tells his disciples, that's what you're supposed to do too. It says here, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So from the very beginning of our faith, baptism has been central. It's the central moment of the beginning of our journey with Jesus. And so briefly, four things of what baptism means for us. First, baptism is a symbol of new resurrection life. When we go under the waters, it symbolizes the death of our old selves. When we come up out of the waters, it is a resurrection reenactment. Every time we're baptized, we're reenacting the resurrection of what we see in Christ. Look at Romans 6, 3 and 4. It says, Or don't you know that all who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from death through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In other words, what is happening in you by faith is being proclaimed outwardly and symbolically to the world, to our congregation. Secondly, in that thought, baptism is a public witness of both belief and of belonging. There's a reason why we do this publicly together and not as a private act. When you're baptized, you're not only being baptized into Christ, you're being baptized into a new, beautiful worldwide misfit family that we call the church. You belong, and that moment of coming out of the water symbolizes being united not only to Christ, but to one another, this family of God. I love this, meaning as you're baptized, you belong to African Pentecostals. You belong to South American Catholics. You belong to the church's who are worshiping in houses in secret in China. You belong to brothers and sisters of Christ 
across the street and across the world. And importantly, you belong to this community. You belong to us as brothers and sisters. We're here today to bear witness to this act of faith. We're here today to make a witness, a public commitment to one another that we support and pray for and stand in solidarity with those who enter into the waters of baptism. Third, we aren't baptized for our salvation but we are baptized rather to bear witness to it. It's often repeated as we talk about these things that baptism is an outward expression of an inward transformation of faith. The Bible tells us we're saved by grace through faith, meaning that all of our acts of obedience are in response to faith. But this act of obedience in baptism is not what actually saves us. God is in the process of, by his grace, saving us through faith. And our response then, as an act of obedience, is baptism. It is not a saving act, we believe. You're seeing two people today who are proclaiming to us publicly and symbolically that by grace, through faith, they have been saved. And therefore, this is why we come to celebrate and as they continue to walk with Jesus, he'll continue to walk with us together, bearing witness to that. Which is why the last thing I want to point out before Robin comes is that baptism is not the destination. Baptism is where the journey begins. Here's why I want to mention this as we move forward. As many of you probably know or have had experiences for, sometimes the church has treated baptism as the finish line instead of the starting line. Sometimes we've treated it as the moment and then we just move on. And as a result, we've often failed to measure success as a church by the number of baptisms. And that's what success is instead of the number of disciples who are growing and bearing fruit into Christ likeness. So please know today, what we are celebrating is momentous. It's huge. It's so beautiful and eternal in what God is doing today. But it is the beginning of the adventure and not the end. That's what I'm excited about is that both Robin and Jack know this today, that they are committed to not just a moment, but to a journey with Jesus. We are all works in progress. Philippians 1, 6 tells us, and I love this promise, it says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Meaning, what we symbolize and remember today is that God has begun to form and restore and renew us. And what we celebrate is the beginning of the continual salvation. As we look at the scriptures, when it talks about salvation, it does it in three tenths. It says we are saved. It says that we are being saved. And it says that we will be saved. It is a past, present, and future reality. We see in the moment of baptism the remembrance of this new life, the remembrance of what God is doing in us, but also the arrow pointing forward in the continued transformation that we experience as we follow Jesus. What begins today is happening as a moment of God's restoring work of love in us, and it does not stop here. This is just the beginning. And that means for us as the family of God, that as we see these brothers and sisters come up out of these waters of baptism, we know that we too are works in progress, right? We too are beginning to remember once again 
that we have been baptized into Christ. If you're here today and you already have been baptized, guess what today is? It's a vow renewal. It's a moment to remember that you have been baptized into Christ, that you belong, and that God is not done with you yet. And if you're here today and you've never been baptized, we want to talk to you about that, what that means to take those first steps of journeying with Jesus. I hope you know that. I hope you remember that as we move forward today. I'm going to shut up now because I'm excited to welcome my friend Robin Embry, who is going to share her testimony today. Would you all welcome Robin? Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I just want to thank everyone for your support as I uh, speak to you about something very vulnerable, but I felt it um, in my heart that I needed to share, and I'm going to try not to cry. Okay. Um, before I start, I want to thank Marilyn and Steve for coming. They've been <laughs> with me. Okay. Um. <laughs> They were there in a really, really dark spot um, post-divorce and gave me a home when I had no home. Um, anyways, thank you. I love you so much. Um, okay, so let's go on. <laughs> I was a small child, scared and alone. I lifted up my ears and I heard nothing. I looked and I did not see until just a couple months ago. I never knew God's love. All my life, I felt like I had to show my worth through my humanly efforts to prove that I should be loved and I was not a mistake. The weight of the world was on my shoulders. I was raised in a culturally Jewish home, but godless. My mom was the most spiritual person I knew, and she imprinted on me this idea of Buddhism and reincarnation. I thought, that makes sense, but I never truly knew the truth about God. My whole life, I chased for meaning. I had glimpses of God's presence, specifically when I was singing praise to God in my temple, but generally temple was a social tradition that was not centered on God. My earliest memory of Christians was in a swimming pool when I was not more than seven years old. My Christian friends said that because I did not believe Jesus Christ was my savior, I was going to hell. Because of this and anti-Christian sentiments my, from my mom, I stayed away from religious Christians and all things Jesus. The Jesus I knew was condemning and not full of love. My family had this mantra, Jesus is not our guy. We defined ourselves based on what we were not instead of what we were, creating the special otherness I held on to most of my life. I never felt like I fit in with my Jewish community or Christians. I was a lost sheep who never knew the fullness of God's love. I was drawn to psychics, law of attraction, and tarot reading. I was always fascinated with mysticism and magic. I fell into this general sense of knowing Something was out there spiritually, spiritually, like a source of energy or a higher power, but I didn't know God intimately. 
I was so hungry for something more than the materials of this earth, and everything I tried to satiate this emptiness left me disappointed and even more empty. In 2020, when all the world was shutting down due to the pandemic, my life of doing everything with grit and my own fleshly strength came to a halt. There was nothing I could do to control the uncontrollable of that year. Leading up to the pandemic, I was married with a three-year-old daughter, two older stepdaughters, and a dog in an over 3,000 square foot home. I had an un unprofitable cash physical therapy practice combined with personal training and Arbonne side hustles. To say I was, a, I was busy was an understatement. I felt like I was failing at all things, but I didn't want to let go of any commitments in hopes it might blossom into something more profitable and fulfilling. When I was just barely holding on, it all came crumbling down. The life I had built with my two hands was no more. It was in complete shambles, and only God could heal it and make it better. My marriage failed, and I moved into a small apartment, losing full access to my daughter, stepdaughters, and dog. I gave up, <clears throat> I gave up my cash practice and everything else I was doing and started working in a brain injury clinic with long-term patients who would never get any better. It was very depressing, but it was easy work. It was just generally a very dark and sad time of my life. I remember trying to be in the quiet alone and tears falling down my face as I said to myself, I want out of this body. Only pain is here. There were times I prayed to God and yelled for help just in case there was a God who does help those in need. In fact, I remember trying to figure out how to get my printer to work and... Uh, I just kept trying different things with YouTube and nothing was working and then I just yelled at the top of my lungs because I was so frustrated. Help, can you make anything right go in, go in my life, God, please? Then I tried the same exact thing again and it started working. <laughs> uh, I felt hurt and I celebrated this small victory in the mess of my life at that time, but I still questioned if that was God who helped me that day or just dumb luck. And looking back, I know that God was with me through all of it, but I was blind and deaf to him still. Things started to turn around um, for me. The pain of my divorce dwindled and I started to make some good friends and work through traumas. In fall 2021, I met Jesse just after I swore off dating all Christians because they thought I was going to hell. And I uh, grilled him about his faith and told him that if he believed I was going to hell, I can't date him. And he assured me he is not in the business of judging who is going to hell or not, and that God is love. I was intrigued. I've never heard anyone speak about uh, God that way. And I saw that the way he had such confidence and trust in someone he could not see or, or hear like, like humans, you know. He shared personal healings and other testimonies of people he knew, he knew such as brain tumors disappearing um, in a friend. He said, if you want to know and be with God, just ask. It seemed so simple, like, why haven't I done it <laughs> up until now, right? 
Um, I started praying and impatiently waiting for God to show me who he was. And uh, slowly, I started to experience God in church and in daily life. God's spirit felt like a pressure between my shoulder blades, accompanied by peace, vulnerability, and love. The truth of Jesus was revealed to me when I had a vision one day in this church um, of a man with a white large robe that filled the floor. Then my eyes panned from the floor to his head where a bright white light appeared. At that moment, I understood how Jesus acts as a bridge for us to God the Father. That was one year ago. Since then, I have struggled with reconciling my anti-Jesus past with knowing the gospel as truth specifically because of how my family would shame me for turning my back on my Jewish heritage. I have also struggled with my identity in Christ, early deaths due to terminal diseases or accidents and condemning scripture. I wanted to know all the answers to why God does what he does. I was like Thomas from the book of Matthew that Justin talked about last week. Um, I wanted Jesus to reveal himself fully to me so I would have no doubts that he lives and he is our savior. End of January, after struggling so long with my identity, Pastor Cluddy from Florence Heritage Church prophesied that I was coming into a place where I would know who I was in Christ. But the enemy got in my head and told me that this was a lie and I would never have this relationship and understanding in Christ. Two weeks later, during a church service again in Florence, Kentucky, explaining the exchange that happens at the feet of Jesus, I fell down to my knees and I could feel that I was literally at his feet. For the first time in my life, I felt what it was like to be loved, not for what I could do for someone, but for just being me. He wanted nothing from me. He just wanted to give. And he bathed me in love and I cried and I cried and I never knew I could be loved like that. I finally understood what Jesse was talking about and why he puts his trust in him. God's spirit revealed it to me as, it did, as he did for him that night. I still have moments where I'm uncertain what to do next, but, but now I know that God will straighten my, my, um, my paths if I allow him to move and bend me through his spirit. Even though the enemy is right there trying to make us forget what we have and who we are in Christ when times get trying, the love of God can drive out all these lies so we are freed from our prisons of shame. Self-forgiveness is the hardest and most important thing God has been working on with me and I'm sure many others. And I see a change in myself as my confidence has improved with my abilities to manage everyday tasks and work. God showed me that my self-hate was a hindrance to receiving his love in its fullness and I needed this feeling to be eliminated not push down deep inside. And as I grow in Christ's love for me, that feeling is dwindling. I feel my spirit being sanctified, changed over time, um, and moved in accordance with his spirit. God enlightened me with wisdom, but up until a couple months ago, I did not have trust in him to know that the wisdom he was giving was reliable and true. It was not until I experienced him fully through relationship with him could the burden of figuring it all out truly be lifted? As I walk through difficult times, 
I am more trusting in his will and I can identify more quickly when the enemy is trying to pull me away from the truth. In those moments, I find myself going back to identity in Christ's scriptures and ask for God's truth to remind myself of who I am in him. Life is easier if we seek God consistently. I thought that God's wisdom was what I needed most, but God knew better, and he always does. His love was what I needed above all. Wisdom is important, but without love, that wisdom is useless. God's love gives meaning to our lives and answers all questions. Just like you, God knit me in my mother's womb and was well pleased before he before we even took a breath, Psalm 139.13. I envision God shouting as his spirit entered into my heart, here is my daughter whom I love and am well pleased, as we don't have to do anything more than receive. God's love is not earned as so much is in our society. Thank you. So today, I will get baptized as an outcry of love and devotion to God for giving me the love I never thought was possible without asking anything in return. I wish I could have known this love sooner, but God has had to gently lead me into a place in my life where I could receive it fully. As it says, well, as it did say in uh, Philippians 1.6, I am convinced and confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Christ Jesus, the time of his return. So now I want to pray over all of you. I pray God's love out, outpours on everyone and consistently sets our spirits on fire through relationship with him. And that we become a testament to what God's love can do. I pray that whatever is blocking us from receiving God's love to its fullness is removed immediately. I pray that we are removed from our prison cells of trauma and unattainable standards so we can move freely in God's love towards his will. Lastly, I pray that God's spirit will increase our trust and reliance on him forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I have nothing to add to that. Thank you, Robin. I, all I can say is what an honor to be present for something like that. Thank you. I want to ce uh, celebrate communion with you today. We have elements here in the front, on the table in the back, also in the lobby. As Hannah comes, we're going to transition here in a few minutes outside, but until then, we just want to take a few moments to, to really press into what God is speaking to you. Um, maybe the Lord is stirring something in you where you're uh, wanting to take that step of faith and follow him in the same way, experience that love that Robin was talking about. If that's the case, let us talk to you, pray with you. We would absolutely love to do that. But until then, let me pray over communion for us and we will move into this time of worship. Father, thank you for your goodness to us and the stories we have. Revelation says we overcome 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. What a, there's a lot of overcoming this morning, God. There's a lot of overcoming we got. Thank you for that. Thank you for the story we heard. Thank you for the story you're telling in us. Let us be reminded today that this is an opportunity to move towards that love ourselves. We receive these elements, the body of Jesus broken for us, the blood of Jesus shed for our sins as a remembrance that we have been united with Christ and united with one another. We thank you in the name of Jesus. We all pray. you guys take communion, you are welcome to stand back up where you are, and we're going to make one final declaration in song.